I'm going to talk with you about prayer and fasting. In the last two weeks, we've heard messages about prayer. Today, we will add to that the and fasting part of that conversation. But before we dive into fasting, let's just talk a little bit about food. We love food. If I, if I asked you that question, I probably would get a big loud yes. We have an obsession with our favorite foods, and we even like to watch food made. There's entire television networks for this purpose. We like to try new foods, most of us anyway. Uh, some of us like the safety of the same food every day, but everyone loves food. And that's okay, because food is necessary for us to live. Um, as a matter of fact, I have a, a new grandson, he's just a few weeks old, and let me just tell you, we start off life with a strong desire to eat. I know because when this little boy gets hungry, he's quick. He's so quick to let us know. The time from I'm hungry, give me that food, goes from silence and happy to wah, I won't be as loud as he is, but it goes quick. And if you don't get that food to him quickly, he is going to scream until you do. There's no question that you will pay attention because he is hungry. Sometimes we have an unhealthy relationship with food. And in our country, we've become prosperous and it's costing us. Food is a challenge for us today, whether we get too much or not enough. And there are eating disorders and some people eat too much and some people don't eat enough. And some people actually just don't get enough food, not because there's not a food available. They don't have the food. They can't get to it. And I kind of find it ironic that in the Lord's Prayer, which Pastor Eddie preached on a few weeks ago, Jesus instructs us to pray for our daily bread. And we don't really have to do that. We throw out about, an, on average, a pound of food per person a day. And we don't need to pray for food because all we have to do is walk over to the refrigerator, the cupboard, the cabinet, and get whatever snack or meal we desire. So we have a difficult relationship with food, and it's important for us, but our conversation today is about food and how it impacts prayer, because that's what fasting is all about. Biblical fasting is choosing to abstain from food for a spiritual purpose. That's it. Focus on Christ instead of food. Fasting can be for medical purposes, uh, you're about to have surgery or a procedure or one of those exams that your doctor says a person of your age needs. You know what I'm talking about? If you know, you know. Intermittent fasting is sometimes practiced by people who are health nuts because they're trying to gain muscle, lose fat, and so they spend certain times of the day eating and certain times not eating, and they're managing their weight, and, and neither of those is what we're here to talk about today. Fasting has a spiritual purpose. Now, there can be benefits to your body, but that is not what today is about. And I just wanna say it up front. Some of you go, I can't skip food. I understand. This can't be for everybody. But when you see fasting in the Bible, it's about food. There are other things that we should abstain from. Um, and it would be wise, while you are fasting from food, to skip or limit the intake from stuff like social media, television, entertainment, all of the other stuff that can be a distraction. But we're going to keep our focus on food. And food has been a problem for us humans from the beginning. If you look at Genesis, 
The very second chapter in the Bible says in verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The first and actually only rule that God gave Adam and Eve was, you see that tree? Don't eat from it. It was a food rule. Many actually have read this as the very first fast that you see in the Bible because God said, you can eat whatever else you like, but not that. What happened? Most of you probably know. We go a little along in the story. The instruction has been received, but a problem arises. Genesis 3.1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And you know the conversation. She responds, well, he said we can't eat from this one. We can't even touch it. And he, re- he promises that if she does, she will get all of this stuff. And in verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. I like what a preacher I listened to sometimes said, uh, God had given Adam and Eve dominion over the earth, over plants and animals, and here they are, it's been flipped. They're being ruled by both. A, an animal told them to eat the one plant they had been forbidden. And so sin entered into the world. That one failure is still with us today. And we've had a troubled relationship with food ever since. If only they had fasted like God said. But here we are. And food is still a problem for us. Paul actually told the Philippians And he's telling us the same thing, that we should worship God, not food. And you can see this in Philippians 3. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Food is still about God. Maybe that's a new thought for you. But here's what the word of God says. You will either serve food or you will serve God. It's simple, but it's not always easy. So what can we do? Well, we can pray, but sometimes we should also fast. Choosing to abstain from food so that we can keep our focus on Christ. You should rule over your stomach. Some have actually described fasting as causing your body to pray with you because every time you have a pang of hunger, it's a reminder to pray. And your body's saying, why are you doing this to me? And you say, because I'm seeking God. So fasting actually has a fascinating history throughout history from the beginning of time all the way to Now, there are purposes for fasting that are biblical, and I just want to take a few minutes to walk you through some of the things that we see in Scripture about fasting. The first instance of fasting being practiced, and it was actually no food and no water, was Moses. 
40 days he spent on the top of the mountain with God while he received the law, and he did not have food or water. Now, I'm just gonna tell you right now, you can't have that kind of fast, you will die. He was supernaturally provided for by God, and that happened multiple times for Moses. He was in the presence of God, so his physical needs were taken care of. Later, we see Elijah also, after having been provided for by God, he fasts for 40 days. And there were many who fasted individually, and I'm giving you highlights here. Hannah refused to eat. She was fasting because she was childless, and she went to God, and God gave her a son whose name is Samuel. Jonathan the son of King Saul refused to eat because of how his father was treating David. David refused to eat when one of his friends, Abner, died. Ezra, who was the priest who had returned to Israel after the exile of the children of Israel, fasts because he's mourning over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. And sometimes it was the entire community that was called to fast. David's men fasted upon hearing that Saul and Jonathan had died. Esther called for a fast of all of the children of Israel because if something didn't happen, they would be wiped out because of the work of Haman. Joel called on the children of Israel to fast because there was a famine that was destroying the land and they were to seek God's face for a rescue. So by the time of Christ, fasting had become a a part of the culture of the Jewish people. The Pharisees fasted every Monday and Thursday, and they have this whole explanation behind why, and it has to do with when Moses went up and came down from the mountain. And Jesus actually told his disciples not to imitate them because they were doing it for a show. They were, which I don't understand how that works, but I guess they, you know, I'm fasting. I'm, I'm so miserable because I just haven't had so much food. I guess we can be proud about anything. And, and the Pharisees were proud. They noticed that Jesus and his disciples weren't fasting because remember, they did it every Monday and Thursday and they're like, you guys are eating. You're not supposed to be eating right now. And so they come to him and they say, why? And Jesus said, Luke 5, 34, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? It's party time. That's what he's saying. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. We live in those days. So once again, it is appropriate for us to fast. But I want to remind you, this is not a command. There is no statement in the New Testament that says, thou shalt fast. It is advisable because this is a principle that was practiced regularly by Jesus. It has been practiced by those who follow him. We see it all throughout the New Testament and through the history of the church. Before the elders of the church sent Barnabas and Paul out on their very first missionary journey. They fasted and prayed, and then they laid hands on them. As Paul and Barnabas, as they went out and were planting churches, before they appointed elders, they prayed and fasted before they appointed those elders. And the keeping of fast days persisted in the church. Now, because we don't want to be This was the early history. We don't want to be like the Jews. We're trying to differentiate ourselves. They said, well, we're not going to fast on Monday and Thursday. We'll do Wednesday and Friday because we're going to be different. And of course, it lapsed sometimes into legalism. And then it kind of was given up. 
And we don't talk about fasting all the time, but John Wesley would not commission somebody to be in ministry if it was not their regular practice to fast. We talk about it today because it's in scripture and it can bring us closer to Christ. So why fast? We fast to keep our focus on Christ. That's why we fast. Prayer should be a regular part of your life, whether you can fast or not. But if you find yourself struggling with something, and we'll, we'll talk about a list of what those things could be, you should try to add fasting and see how God will move. James 4, verse 2. Sometimes we don't get what we want because we actually don't even go ask God for it. And he tells us we should. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And if you walk around complaining about what you don't have, but you've never prayed and asked God to provide for you, then don't be surprised. But this is what he says when he continues in verse three. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You need to know. Fasting is not a, I'm going to get what I want out of God, action. If your motive is selfish, don't expect a positive answer. You cannot force God's hand. And there are many reasons to fast, but getting what you want is not one of them. You should be in agreement with God when you fast. We find, and there are more, but today we'll talk about three purposes in fasting. First, we fast to repent from sin. Second, we fast to petition God to move. And third, we fast to keep our focus on Christ. Fasting to repent from sin. Many of you know the story of Jonah who was called by God to go up to the land of Nineveh. He ran away, God swallowed him up into a great fish. He brought him back onto the shore, sent him again and commissioned him to go preach. So Jonah preached. And Jonah did not want these people to respond, but they did. And the king of Nineveh actually called for a fast, full stop, no food, no water, for nothing. No animals, no plants, no children, no people, nothing were to have food and water. And God saved them from the destruction that he promised. The prophet Joel declared that God wanted the people to repent from their sin. Joel 2.12, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. When we fast to repent, we remind our flesh that we will submit to the Spirit. Galatians 5, Paul tells us, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh here in this passage is not the body the corpus that we would think of, this is actually the fleshly nature that tends to rule over us if we don't heed the Holy Spirit. And if we listen to the Holy Spirit, we will rule over the flesh that wants and desires so many things that are against the Holy Spirit. It's that nature in us that opposes God. Your body is infected by the flesh. Your body is not bad, though. Your body was created by God and is good and will be resurrected one day. But you need to fast to remind your body who's in charge. Paul said that he kept his body in check, under control. In 1 Corinthians 9, he actually says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. So we know Paul fasted. 
What are some reasons for which you should fast? Well, if you find yourself in sexual sin, you should fast. You'll be less likely to give in when you've ruled over your stomach and you've changed your focus. Now, don't expect the temptation to stop, but you can experience victory when you look to Jesus instead of all of the other things. Do you have a problem with anger because you're selfish and prideful? Fast. It will remind you that you need help from God as you submit to him. Maybe today you find yourself grieving. There's a loss in your life of some sort. I would encourage you to fast and let God comfort you. He can comfort you and turn your fast into a feast on his word that will bring you hope that you've never experienced before. Are you afraid? Are you anxious? Fast. Abstain from food. Ask God to show you all the ways that he works in your life and rescue you from your fears. Maybe you are overcoming sin in your life, but you need help in another way. Ask God to help you and fast. Give it to him and seek his face. Another way and reason that we fast is to petition God to move. And this can look like a lot of things. Uh, This is often what we think of when we talk about fasting today. Well, I'm fasting because I'm asking God for something or I'm seeking wisdom. And you're seeking God's face because you want him to help you, to provide, to give insight, to give clarity. This is actually what the disciples faced in the book of Mark. Uh, They came to Jesus and they said, hey, we tried to cast out this demon and we couldn't. What's going on with that? And Jesus said in Mark 9, 29, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. What Jesus was saying is your prayer is good, but you must completely rely on God and you must demonstrate your willingness to be completely reliant upon God. So you need to pray and fast. Only then will you see the answer to the the solution and the problem you have. When the children of Israel were returning to build the temple, Ezra asked for help from God because as they traveled, the roads were dangerous. The roads here can be dangerous, but not like then. They had to walk, they were in caravans, there were robbers along the way, some of them maybe even sanctioned robbers from different countries and provinces. And he could have asked the king for help, but he said, I've already told him how powerful our God is, so we are going to fast and pray and ask God to protect us along the way. Ezra chapter eight, verse 21. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. They traveled safe all the way to Jerusalem with no danger on the road. Now there is no guarantee that God will do what we ask. But I can tell you this, Jesus seven times in the Gospel of John tells his disciples, if you ask anything in my name, the Father will do it. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will hear you and respond. If what you seek lines up with what Jesus wants and what the Father wants, then it will be a holy yes. 
If you go asking for something not in his will, like a Lamborghini, you're gonna get a nah. And that'll be the end of it. I have seen funds provided and people saved and other amazing works of God through the prayer and fasting of myself and many others in this place. Why? Because we kept our focus on Christ. Fasting keeps our focus on Christ. There's one other reason we should fast. It will come as no great surprise to you that I believe we should fast to keep our focus on Christ. We are distracted by so many things in our world today and our focus really ought to be on Jesus Christ. Let's look at Jesus for just a minute. He's more than a good teacher and the most amazing man who ever lived. He is the perfect son of God. He left heaven, he became human, he took on flesh, he endured life in a sinful, broken world. And after preaching for three years, he was crucified for the sin of all mankind. On the third day, he was resurrected. And then after spending a little time here on earth, he ascended back into heaven where he is today and we await his return. But before all of that, before he began his public and earthly ministry, he spent 30 years in obscurity. He was then baptized and then he went out into a wilderness led by the Spirit where he fasted like Moses, like Elijah for 40 days. No food for 40 days. Let that sink in. The Spirit led him into the wilderness where for 40 days he had no food. We get upset when the waitress is late to come and get our drink order or they don't seat us in enough time. And Jesus went without food for 40 days. No food, only water. Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And that clarification is necessary because some fasts actually allowed you to eat in the evening. He didn't eat at all. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was hungry, but he was not weak. He was strong because his power came from God. He was prepared to do battle with Satan. He began his ministry by showing that where Adam had failed by eating the forbidden food, he would refuse to do a work that would satisfy his flesh, and he did not eat. Adam ate the fruit. Jesus fasted and refused to let food trip him up. Satan continued his temptation, and Jesus was victorious. You can read the rest of it yourself in Matthew 4. Adam heeded the serpent, and Jesus defeated the serpent. How? By reminding Satan of the truth that we still need today. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You need the word of God more than you need food. If you're a believer, that is true in your life. Jesus knew, and Paul reminded us, that we are at war, but our war is not physical. We war by submitting to Christ. We, we war by asking him to fight on our behalf. Our weapons are not weapons like the world has. We don't have swords and, swords and knives and guns and tanks and missiles. We don't use those. 
we petition God who made us, who holds everything in his hand, and we ask him to move. Adam chose food over God. Jesus chose to be separated from food and was fed by God. You know, even today, an army moves on its stomach. You disrupt the supply lines, you keep the food from flowing, reaching the front, and that war will come to a halt. But as followers of Christ, we're at war, and instead of food being our supply, the word of God is our supply. And when we fast, we see God work. Paul encouraged Timothy to endure suffering It can be suffering to fast sometimes, but he said, endure suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So let's talk for just a minute about the practical side of what does it mean to fast? Some of you may say, I've never fasted before. Well, start small. One meal. Y'all can skip one meal. Some of us do it by accident. Now, that's not a fast because your fasting of food has to have purpose. Maybe you can do 12 hours from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., pick your time. Maybe you can do a day, and I would recommend sundown to sundown. It's very practical, and you can do a 24-hour fast. Three days, maybe a week, more as you're led, but start small. And the goal is not just to skip a meal. Anybody can do that. We often do it by accident. Oh, I missed food. You're hungry, maybe even hangry. That's not a fast. And when you do fast, don't just go about your day. Take that 20 to 30 minutes that you would have eaten, and I know that's how long it takes. I've been timing it lately. You gotta prepare your food and then you eat. It's at least 20 to 30 minutes. Take that time, and instead of going to eat or just running around, sit with God, pray, read his word, and ask him to move. Be on purpose. Replace that mealtime with prayer and Bible reading. And you can do this alone, or you can do this with others. The admonition about not being proud about fasting doesn't mean that other people can't know. It just means you shouldn't be complaining about it or making a show. You can fast with others, and they need to know you're fasting. What you're doing is you're telling your body to wait to eat because you want more of God than you do of food. Now, a couple of caveats on this. Check with your doctor if you've never fasted before. If it's necessary, stop. You can always come back, possibly. Another thing, you're not more spiritual because you fast. Just know that. And if you walk around, I've been fasting. You're just in the same boat as the Pharisees. But you may find yourself to be more willing to be obedient. You may discover that temptation is hard, but the Spirit provides. You may find that sin is not as attractive as the Holy Spirit is in your life. And the peace and the goodness that he gives. And as soldiers of Jesus, we should fight the way he did. How did he fight? He fasted and he prayed. While he was here, we had no need to fast, but he is not here, he's in heaven. And the Holy Spirit recommends that we fast. Is there a sin in your life that you can't seem to shake? You're like, it just chases me around and I just keep giving in. Fast and pray. Do you need help? Ask God. Don't just try to fix it yourself. Ask God and fast. And it can be something really small or something really big. No matter what your struggle, fasting can bring your focus to Christ. Many of you know that my youngest is adopted. And if you don't, now you do. My youngest is adopted. 
Uh, we adopted Sam when he was a baby. And before we started that process, we actually prayed. And then once the time came to start making payments, I went through a period of praying and fasting. And during the course of that entire process, um, we did what many people who, who have adopted will do. And that is, we tried to figure out how to raise the funds. And we went here and we went there and the details don't matter, but we tried one scheme and then another. And it was like at every turn, God said, no, 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 ask me. I'll take care of this, but you have to trust me. And I remember in the midst of that season, we were trying so hard to make the funds come in and nothing was working. We were okay, but we were looking down the barrel of thousands and thousands of dollars, like we're talking $12,000 at the end. And nothing would work because it wasn't God's plan. Did you know that where God guides, he will provide? I've heard a lot of students recently say, uh, God's will, God's bill. I'm like, ooh, I like that. That's like where God will guide you, he will provide for you. But not always right away. And so I prayed. And I did what Hezekiah and Isaiah did when the Assyrians were coming in and trying to attack and they're telling him what they're gonna do. I said, God, um, your word says something, and I'm holding you to it. And I remember, I can still go back to the place in my bedroom where I open my Bible to this passage, Psalm 68, five and six. This is God, a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows is God in his holy dwelling. And then verse six says, God sets the lonely in families. I don't know anybody who's more lonely than a baby that doesn't have a family. And so I, I sat there in many days. God, you said. Have your kids ever done that to you? You said we could do this. You're like, yeah, I know. It's gonna happen, just not yet. And that's what God did to me and my wife. God, you said you would do this. You're the one who does this. Will you let us see it? This is your will and desire. And you know what happened? God provided. Over the course of the next few months, money came in. Checks and cash, like cash I've never seen before kind of cash. Sometimes from friends, but more than once from people that I'd met one time. And they said, oh, we heard you want to adopt. Here's $3,000. What? Do you believe that God can work greater than you? Did you know that God can do more in one moment than you can do in a lifetime of trying? I don't know what your struggle is. I don't know what problem you're facing. I don't know what it is that you need to pray and fast over, but I do know this, God is able. And if you keep your focus on Christ, he will work. If you have sexual sin, fast and ask God to give you a new heart and mind you full of wrath? Ask God to give you peace. Are you unsure about what to do? Fast and ask God to show you the next step. I don't know what your something big is, so big that it scares you, but fast and ask him to move. Maybe your need today is like mine was. You need provision. God can provide. You realize God made everything. He made the molecules that the money is made of. Surely he can give you more of it. 
ask him fast and make your dependence be on him. He can change more in a moment than you can in years. I've seen it happen. I've prayed for people and it was like immediately something changed and I had nothing to do with it. God is the one who worked. So why should you fast? You should fast to repent from sin. You should fast and pray to petition God to move. You should fast and pray to keep your focus on Christ. I need God more than I need food. You need God more than you need food. Believer, maybe today you've never fasted from food to focus on Christ. We're still in the middle of our, our season of prayer and fasting. It's not too late. You can start with a meal. You could skip one meal and replace it with praying and fasting and asking God to move. Maybe today you don't know the peace that comes from being sure that Jesus will hear you when you pray. Will you call on his name today? Will you pray, God, I know I'm a sinner and need Jesus to save me. He will. If you would pray that, you can let us know that you've done so by filling out a connection card. If you're online, you can text the word prayed to 94,000. And today, if you're here in the room, we're gonna have a time of prayer in just a minute, which is fitting for this series. And I would encourage you, if there is a problem, a challenge in your life, Ask God to give you the strength. It may be that you say, I don't even know if I can fast. Ask him to give you the strength to fast so that you can see him work in your life. If you wanna pray with someone, we'll have people up here for you and we have workers that will pray with you. And I would encourage you today, I don't care how young or old you are, I, I can almost guarantee you that there is something in your life that you are asking God to do and he wants to move, but you have to ask him. And whatever it is, we want to pray with.